0: comments made on the serotalk podcast network are those of the individuals and do not represent serotech corporation its staff management board of directors or third-party resellers
1: it's time for high contrast episode number 14 where we talk about everything low vision for those folks that are trapped in the place sort of between sight lines if you will i'm rodney edgar of techaccessweekly.com thank you to maury for jumping in last week from the AISquared.com slash in blog filling in for me along with our current band of characters and I emphasize characters as we have Byron Lee of ByronLee.com join us once again.
0: Yep, the usual gang of idiots. Hi, everybody.
1: <laughs> and... It's Mr. Android Lust himself, Mr. Joe Steinkamp of Saratalk and SPN. How goes well, it, Joe?
2: thank you. I'm doing well, sir, and thank goodness you're back and hosting, because that's not my forte. That's mainly for EOLshow.com. That's right, EOLshow.com. And uh, Mr. Curry is still out on assignment and possibly will be back with us next month. Ah, nice pimp. Uh, you like that?
1: Yeah. Mm, yeah, okay. But we know how your hosting is, and I listened to last week's episode, and it wasn't actually that bad being on the outskirts, uh, plus being referenced multiple times helps the ego, because I'm definitely missed, you know, but it's not as bad as uh, Sarah Talk 140. You were gone, but not forgotten. You get. So anyway, let's <laughs> jump over into our first topic, and this goes back to sort of listener mail, which is what you can do by sending an email to resources at com to give us ideas for a show, and we've had multiple people in the past say, you know, why don't you do things that are aids to help the low vision instead of just general topics? So here comes one for you. This is a wonderful stand scan apparatus that will actually help you take better scans using your mobile phone device. And we did a wonderful, wonderful demonstration of that over at techaccessweekly.com in demo cast number 23. Shameless plug. haha. Anyway, has anyone here used a stand scan?
0: I have not. However, when I first heard about the stand scan coming out, it was kind of Annoyed slash peeved because I had sort of had the idea for a while that, you know, somebody should have some sort of apparatus that you could use your phone to take pictures of checks and then deposit them or scanning business cards or whatever. That was the main application that I was thinking of. And so there's a place right next to where I work where they build prototypes and things like that. And I was just thinking, well, I gotta get the seed money. Maybe I should go in there and say, you know, I've got this idea. Can you guys give me some pointers on how I get started? And then one day I was listening to Sarah talk, and I heard somebody mention this thing called the stand scan, and I just went,
3: "Dope!" Oh!
2: <laughs> well, did you also think about putting cronuts out? Because cronuts are very popular, and and that would have been also awesome, you know, <laughs> there.
0: Unfortunately, I did not think of that. Oh, okay. But you know, I could still do something like that. I could still do something like the stand scan. Maybe something made of metal. Maybe a different kind of design. I don't know. It's not like the game is completely closed now, but the incentive to be first is gone. So it's like, oh. It's
2: a handle on your glasses. Oh, wait, that's Steve Martin, the jerk. Sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> I've not played with this particular one. I've seen some others. And I see here that there is a standard and a pro. Can you elaborate, sir, on the difference, the $10 difference from nineteen ninety nine to twenty nine between the standard and pro?
1: Why, yes. Yes, we can, Joe and i'm glad you asked
2: well it's written right here in the show notes so uh, yeah. not to play inside baseball but please elaborate more sir <laughs> i pulled back the curtain yes
0: <laughs> an inside look and in Talk broadcasting
1: that's right show notes available at um, but anyway <laughs> the stand scan for those who have not seen it is a flat i guess would you call it laminated cardboard type device that basically folds down just like a flat folder, actually flatter than a trapper keeper if you go back that far in age. Ooh, Uh, those were the days. Yep, you got to like that organizational style back in the elementary days. But anyway, this is a... Only
2: if it can have hexagonal shapes written right there on the cover.
1: Go ahead. Absolutely. But this flat device actually expands into one, two, three, four, five separate pieces, but it's all attached and you form basically a, what would you call it? Sort of
2: a transformer of standing scanning.
1: Yeah. Something like that. It's sort of a portable scanning device that you would actually put your cell phone on top of and be able to lay your paper inside and scan with that. Might be considered like an old visual tech machine without the tech, maybe. I don't know.
2: How tall does this stand when fully assembled?
1: It is about 24 inches tall because you're able to actually Whoa. put an eight and a half by 11 inch piece of paper in there and it scans the entire space. So it's actually hmm. pretty unique. But as far as the pro versus Standard. The standard version is just the apparatus itself. The pro version actually comes with, I believe it's 16 LEDs in the top of it attached to either a wall wart or you can use a battery pack to power it. So you actually are able to eliminate the need for perfect light because as visually impaired people, there's different levels of vision or no vision at all. And you don't know whether there's light around you.
2: Or flash on your phone if you've got a weak flash.
1: Exactly.
0: I thought Apple didn't allow you to have flash on your phone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, <clears throat> I'm going to leave flashing jokes out of this. But yes, something like that. But, you know, the new iPhones actually have good flash. In fact, there's a rumor going around about the next iPhone's going to have dual flash capability for its ability to take pictures. So, I mean, right now, that's kind of the big thing is. Nokia has that 41 megapixel camera and some others are coming out with smaller cameras with bigger sensors because they said it's not about the megapixels. It's about how much your sensor captures at one time. So it's going to be very interesting. And of course, we record this in the shadow of the new iPhone announcement happening September 10th,
1: 2013. If that is true.
0: True. You know, the stand scan is kind of a massive jump in the turning cardboard into things industry. You know, we have menus, uh, we have toilet paper rolls, and probably the biggest jump in cardboard carpentry is... Cardboard houses, you know, like people living out back, uh, out behind the Olive Garden, in a cardboard box. Now you can actually scan stuff with cardboard. How awesome is that?
2: Bicycles. There's there was uh, that story in July about people buying cardboard bicycles that they were this dual corrugated thing and that they could actually hold up to 450 pounds and still cost like 350 dollars. So what's the point? But there's a lot, you know, coming in with cardboard. You're absolutely right. Now, did it feel flimsy or did it feel sturdy? Did you have any difficulty trying to set that thing up or did it seem kind of intuitive?
1: Well, the biggest issue I ran into was, okay, it comes with a piece of paper that gives you directions on actually how to set it up. And eh, following pictures, not my forte. So once you sort of play with it a little bit, you can figure out, okay, this flap pulls down to hold it a little bit more sturdy. I mean, it kind of leans a little bit. And then if you have a phone that's, say, an iPhone 5 and it's in an OtterBox, it's a little bit heavy to start with. So it it, it holds it, but it can be a little bit tricky if your phone is really, really heavy. I know that as far as using applications, we had great results from just about everything that we tried. We used Prismo, which is... I believe $5 in the iOS app store. We use SayText, which it keeps is free going
2: down and down and down. It's always going on sale. Yeah.
1: Well, I think there's a new version coming out from posts that I saw today. So version two might be coming. Okay. But uh say Text, which is uh, free.
2: They're perfect for iOS seven. Yeah,
1: exactly. So SayText, which is free did outstanding. And we also did the AI squared zoom reader, which scans to reading and, The only problem that we ran into with Zoom Reader was the fact that if you had your phone facing one direction and the paper was turned the opposite direction, Zoom Reader would not flip the text. So it would just give you garbage, but something free like SayText would actually rotate the paper for you. So that was something that I wasn't expecting with it.
0: I've got Zoom Reader on my phone and I've also got Text Detective and uh, I've used Zoom Reader to take pictures of, let's say I'm putting together a computer and I need to see the serial number on said computer. I'll just snap a picture of the serial number on the back and get it to do OCR for me. And then Text Detective is good for reading things like menus and business cards and stuff like that and being able to copy that stuff into your clipboard. Yeah, I yeah. think for
1: $29, the stand scan is probably something that people would get a lot of use out of just because it does fold flat. It's no thicker than maybe a MacBook Air, possibly, something like that, or thinner than that. So, I mean, it's really compact and easy to carry. Durability, I'm not sure how durable it would be over a six-month to a year period of time.
2: Yeah. Disposable at that price almost. I mean, that's, you know, now how much would you pay kind of pricing is where that comes in. I don't have a real need for this. And I also have come from the days of the document cameras where the early days of ABIC and then of course later with the Pearl and others, including our own hover cam that we supported for DocuScan plus. So I've used these kinds of things out in the field and I just come back to wanting a traditional scanner, like a Cano scan or something like that for using OCR in the field. I just would rather have control of my light and such. Would you find yourself saying, Hey, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to take this with me and use it in the hotel room.
1: I could probably see that because, uh, Erin, she has gone to her job a couple of times and actually carried it with her to do some scanning on the spot. And it was really able to pay off as far as scanning documents and grabbing a quick something, you know, because it's not bulky. You can put it in a bag with your laptop and you really don't incur any extra weight or bulk other than having to have a short corded uh, wall wart.
0: You know, I've got an interesting question that one of you guys might be able to answer. I believe that the iPhone can actually be used as a scanning device when you plug it into your computer because, and I've never investigated this, but when you plug in the iPhone, one of the action things that it gives you on Windows is to use it as a scanning device. So could you, in theory, hook up a iPhone, stick it on a stand scan, and go, say, to like DocuScan and use your iPhone with that?
2: Well, Speaking from the Android side of the room, (coughs) uh, (coughs) thatandroidshow.com, yes, you could use Android devices like that because you can choose what kind of mode you want your Android device to be in. And right now, as it stands, DocuScan Plus works with being able to get some of your information available in iBlink Radio. So if you have previously scanned information that you've uploaded to the cloud, either from a Mac or Windows, You can actually access that through iBlink Radio and then our SamNet Connect function. At this point, we haven't really talked more about doing anything in phone cameras, to be honest with you, because until these devices like StanScan came out, it was very difficult for people who were totally blind to try and line up text. I mean, if you think about the KNFB Reader, it was miles ahead in so many ways on how they developed the idea of holding things on an X, Y, or Z axis. Because that software in there didn't just think about, are you in focus? It thought about, is your hand at a weird angle? Is the book at a 45 degree angle? Is it sloped? Is the lighting in this room bad enough that I need to flip on extra lighting? And there was just a lot put into that. And a lot of people for a long time have tried to replicate the KNFB, good or bad, price you know notwithstanding, to do some of these things that Ray Kurzweil worked with at the very beginning to knock out of the park in the first run. And part of the problem you have with any scanning app on the iDevices is that Apple only lets you be able to get to some parts of things. And the chip that's inside the iPhone is a custom image chip. So Apple does some things on their own to make pictures better. And I think in future, as Apple starts to do things more with past book and scanning things with barcodes and that for their future mobile payment systems, Uh I think you may see improvements there. That's why I kind of talked about at the beginning of the show that Apple's talking about a bigger camera slash more flash power because I speculate, I'm not speaking as a developer here. I'm speculating as a pundit that they're going to do more in what Google does with Google goggles because Google does image and has been doing images for a long time in text and instant translation of images and, stuff like that. Not all of it was talkback friendly, but it was possible to do some of that as a low vision person. So I could see that kind of working. But my question is, is unless it has like Evernote capability or the ability to drop that into Dropbox, again, you're doing it on instant focus. You were talking about how you were using some of your other apps, Byron, like text detective, you know, those are kind of like in the moment apps and great for spot viewing. Like we would use a handheld video magnifier. Like, say, the Ruby or the Compaq or something like that from another company, or even the Candy Grip from Him's. You know, you would do that for spot reading. You're not going to read a Russian novel with it. You're just going to do it for something super quick and then move on.
0: Yeah, this is actually a problem that we've been dealing with in developing an app for Directions For Me. We're currently working on the Android version of said app. See, now it's my turn to, <laughs> it's my turn to clear my throat and go <coughs> directionsforme.org. <Yes>. <coughs> Which you
2: might hear a demo of, by the way, back on Acero Talk, uh, if you go back to... Uh, oh, I don't know, a certain one from convention time. So, yeah. I think it's... Yeah, beginning of July. 161,
0: I believe. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But this is a problem that we've had with in-phone cameras. Unfortunately, trying to scan a barcode is extremely difficult with a camera because you have to have perfect focus, you have to have the barcode lined up just so and these are tiny little lines that you're trying to differentiate, you know, the length and the distance between each line and so people have been asking us where's the directions for me app And we don't want to fall into that trap that other app developers, I won't name any names, but other app developers who do barcode scanning, the trap they've fallen into is, well, this app sucks, what a ripoff, because I can't get a scan about 50% of the time. And the other 50% of the time, it's either you know the wrong product, or it says that it's not found. So when we started working on the Android app, we wanted to make sure that scanning was going to be good. Now, of course, you're always going to get a much better scan with a laser barcode scanner because lighting doesn't matter. Focus is not an issue. You just have to get one of those lasers to go across the entire row of lines and it returns a perfectly good result. So what you'd want is like a Bluetooth barcode scanner.
2: The majority of these things are designed for taking pictures of people. That's really part of the problem is when you get a scanner, let's say, you know, I don't know, an HP scanner, Epson, what have you, Canon, Those are meant for scanning text, like a photocopier, like a Xerox. You know, in your phone, the primary mission of that is to take pictures of your grandchildren, family, dog, what have you. And so text is very secondary to Mm -hmm. how you're going to do that. Like you said, with the iPhone, what's helpful is that it's generally one type of camera, although it does differ from the 4, the 4S, and the 5. In Android world, it differs hugely, and and there are entire CNET reviews about the Galaxy 3 versus the Galaxy 4 versus the HTC One versus whatever Android phone came out this week versus the Nokia Windows phone. And there's so many factors that you have to come into play there, and versions of Android, which Mm -hmm. also come into play, as to what's available and what also can be done. Same thing with the iDevices. You know, there is things you have to think about with iPhones, because if you have the 4, there's a lot of stuff you don't have on board that is available on the five. And so you even hear that when you go to look at phones, it'll be like, well, I'd like to use Siri, not on the four. You won't, (laughs) that wasn't there until the four S.
1: And seeing as how you continually (laughs) mention that Android show and Android Our second area, Droid. Yeah. Our second area (laughs) to talk about in this episode of High Contrast here on SPN is the new Buckle Up, Kids. Google Nexus 7 and Chromecast that came out at the end of (laughs) July. And we figured we would kind of revisit the Android how to stream things topic that we covered in, I believe it was episode 12. Where we sort of rambled about Plex and... Yeah, purple screen of death. Yes. So, Google announced the Google Nexus 7 2013 model, as well as the dongle that actually streams content to your television, which is the Chromecast, and... uh, (laughs) He said dongle. I'm dealing with children.
0: I know I know mm-hmm. you can't take me anywhere. I'm sorry, Rodney. I' know. stop stop right now or pull this podcast over.
2: <laughs> I, o- I only laugh because you he two said do not it. stop. I, I, I am going to stop it, so this I car
1: and turn around and go home.
2: <laughs> so yes, the device that connects to the television.
0: are we there yet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, high like this can be heard on EOLshow.com.
2: <laughs> <laughs> by these other two third chairs absolutely. So the device that connects to your television, as you were saying, which you could use with iOS or Android through Chrome.
1: Yes, is the Chromecast. And has anyone actually used that ooh, or ooh, ooh. gotten that other than me? Me,
0: me, me,
2: me, me. Oh,
1: geez.
0: I, I've got one, and I have oh. been using it primarily from an iOS perspective. So I've used it with YouTube and Netflix. I haven't really messed with using a Chrome browser because the setup that i have here in my living room is that my computers are all hooked up to a 32 inch hd tv and the chromecast is on hdmi input one the computer is hooked up to vga input and so there's really no need for me to see my tab from chrome on my hdmi input one when i could just switch over to vga so i haven't tried using a browser but i have done stuff with my phone but
2: you, 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 your eye device. You could use your iDevice with Chrome.
0: Oh, I never thought of that. But I'd see the thing is, I don't know if I have much of a need from that, other than maybe I'm too lazy to get off the couch <laughs> and switch over to VGA and sit in front of my keyboard. But I have watched YouTube, and it's pretty awesome.
2: That's what I've thought about, was using my iPad with Chrome on it and using voiceover to activate that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I was thinking, because it looks for anything on the home network. If you're inside the network, it likes to look for things in it.
0: My friend, Sarah did come over and she brought her MacBook and she installed Chrome. This happened last night after my show was over. Uh, She installed Chrome, got the Chromecast extension going and she kept trying to show me YouTube videos, but she kept accidentally sharing the Chrome tab that she was on instead of just sending the video to the (laughs) Chromecast. So the way that it works is that, You know, with the Apple TV, if I were to play a YouTube video with the Apple TV, it would actually play the video from my phone into the Apple TV. And the way the Chromecast works is when I say play this YouTube video, it will actually send the URL and the command to play it to the Chromecast. And then as that's playing, I can use my phone and queue up more stuff to the TV queue and it will play video after video after video.
1: So that's kind of neat. And if anyone hasn't seen one of these, it is a two inch. I'm going to say it again, dongle, (laughs) with an HDMI connection and a micro USB for power, which if your television is new enough, unlike mine, you can actually plug it into the USB port on your television and be able to power it from there. Or you have to use a wall work to plug it into the wall, which is pretty much what I'm doing.
0: Which is included, by the way.
1: Yes, which is included. And one cool thing is, is that if your television has, I believe it is a CRC compatible Jack, which I think is the USB, it will actually switch inputs for you if you're trying to send something to your Chromecast. We did a demo over at TechAccessWeekly.com for just uh, released <clears throat> actually today. <clears throat> it is a demo cast number twenty four that you can find in your Podcatcher or visiting the website uh, where we sort of go through the Nexus Seven and or Blink Radio. Yeah, I Blink Radio. I don't worry about this. Yes. They, they don't pay me.
2: Yeah, yeah. Available on iOS and Android iBlink Radio. Go ahead, as you were saying. (laughs)
1: Uh, So we basically went through and showed trying to use TalkBack with the new Nexus 7, which was also released, and ran into some accessibility issues and things where the Android apps aren't as well-labeled and functional with speech as say, an iOS device like the Netflix app or Android doesn't really work well with TalkBack unless we were completely incompetent, which I don't think we were. And if you pull up your iOS device, you can just hit a button and it goes from Netflix straight to your Chromecast. So that was kind of nice. Still, things are mm, still in the development phases, I think, as far as applications trying to use this Chromecast.
2: Yeah, HBO still coming. Yep. Hulu possibly. Yep, Vimeo, there's uh revision 3 is talking about it. The cool thing like you were talking about with your Roku is that there are kind of ways to add channels to the Roku without and adding official channels to the Roku, and that's kind of sort of happening in the background on Chrome. There's actually ways to add a content that you might not have thought you could add to Chromecast, but that does require a little familiarity with the extension and how to do that kind of markup and things like that. In the case of Android, there is a talkback beta that's currently available that allows you to do labels and graphic labeling that is only available for version 4.3, which is only on newer devices and on the Nexus lines. So there is some coming in that you can fix that on the fly if you know what to call it. And so you can actually label it, but that's still in beta. And let me also state that, like we do on that Android show and Serotalk, Android is a moving target. Unlike iOS, when you have these monolithic updates and that is your new version of talk, uh, excuse me, your new, I almost committed heresy, your new version of voiceover. <clears throat> Die, uh, heretic. Talkback can, <laughs> I know, Talkback and Braille back update almost monthly now. And so any demos you do, and we run into this a lot on SPN, any demos you do, you almost have to state up the very front when you recorded it and the device you recorded it on because. You can have a different experience, and usually a much more positive experience, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days out.
0: Has there ever been a time where they updated TalkBack and it was actually a step backwards?
2: Some would say that the musical tones that they added.
0: You mean the the barfing xylophone?
2: (laughs) Yeah, the xylophone that you drag behind you, the old Fisher-Price one. I can't stand it and turned it off. Some thought actually the addition of voiceover-like features was a step back. There were some people who kind of stepped away from voiceover saying that this was not the way they wished to interact with their device. And so when they brought over explore by touch, there was a big fight amongst the Google groups for eyes free because some people did not think, and this happens. I mean, we've had it happen in screen readers where one screen reader has jumped ahead and became kind of the default per se. And everybody had to kind of add JAWS mode. I'm thinking of window eyes and supernova. And of course, you know, we use insert down arrow and JAWS keys at system access. So you have that become the dominant. And that's part of the problem we have with anybody who learns a new operating system. Their first touch Mm -hmm. is usually the first thing that they gravitate to. And it's hard for them to go to something else. Dr. Robert Carter's talked about this on the tech doctor podcast a couple of times. And
1: he plugged something other than his own podcast.
2: Some of this also is one of those things where you try to bring over stuff from iOS and make it work in Android, and it's not. It's not going Mm -hmm. to because they're two different operating systems. And you have to unlearn what you've learned to learn it sometimes if you're going to walk on both sides of the line. And also remember that there are also, and we've talked about this a little bit, and Rodney, you talked about this on 143, like you were saying, there are patent issues. So you cannot do the exact same thing that the other guy is doing. You have to do it in a different way. And Pinch to Zoom was one of those patents last year that was a part of the Samsung trial that I kind of wind on and on and on about that. I wish that wasn't patented. I wish that was a Fran patent because to do magnification in Android, then you get to do the triple tap. And that's because you can't activate it the same way the other guy is activating it because he's claimed it as his very own. And that's part of the problem, too. So people, when they come to Android, there are some legitimate concerns in accessibility with Android. But there's also a lot of you have to learn the way to do it in Android. You cannot do it the same way in iOS.
0: It's the same deal with me trying to migrate to Mac. I'm used to Windows and, you know, all of the Windows screen readers kind of doing things a certain way. And now I've got the option in the command buttons, which are kind of different. I'm used to alt and control. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a different way of interacting. And you have to realize this is not Windows. This is not iOS. You just have to learn a new way of doing things. And you have to accept that if you want to walk on both sides of the fence.
1: Yeah, I'm getting a full dose of the Android now because we picked up one of the uh, Nexus 7 tablets which for those who have not heard, it starts at two hundred and twenty nine dollars for the sixteen gigabyte version or two hundred sixty-nine for the thirty-two gig model, and an LTE cellular version is coming at some point. For the low vision folks, it does have a full HD display, which has three hundred and twenty-three DPI or nineteen twenty by twelve hundred resolution, which is actually a sixteen by nine ratio. It also has a wonderful 1.4 gigahertz Snapdragon processor, two gigabytes of RAM, a five megapixel camera, and it has dual speakers. Dual speakers.
2: Yay. Which actually sounds quite a bit better. To the first one, yes.
0: <laughs> I got a question for those of you who are low vision, and you, you know, maybe you've tried the Retina display on the iPad, maybe you've tried the high-definition display on the Nexus 7, experienced the transition from analog to HDTV, can you guys actually see the difference? Because I have a really hard time telling the difference between this supposed crappier screen and the nicer, oh, my God, it's so smooth, high-definition screen.
1: Oh, it's night and day.
0: <laughs> oh, really? For, for okay. me. For, 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 for
2: Yeah, for me on an iPad 1, it is absolutely. I can see a difference from the iPad 1 to a current-gen tablet hugely, Absolutely.
1: I can tell a difference between last year's Nexus and this year's Nexus because somebody at work I'm not has one good. of the old Nexuses. And this is a lot crisper. The text is a lot more crisp to the view, you know, so it's a lot easier <laughs> to read.
2: Well, it's a smaller bezel. Did you find that it was easier for you to focus in on text because you didn't have the bigger bezel around the old Nexus? Because that's what it kind of looked like to me when I looked at one in a store was that that thinner bezel made my eye kind of sort of center better than have to look around. It's why I can never use a white iPad or, or anything like that because the glare would just drive me crazy. Everything will always be the black shaded, you know, iPads and stuff like that. Cause I understand some people like the white iPad because it makes text look better, but I watch more movies on my tablet than I do read text. So for me, I want it to be darker.
1: Yeah. I really didn't notice much about the bezel cause I really hadn't used the old version Enough to tell a difference. I do know that it does seem to be a little bit more difficult to hold because the bezel is thinner.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And fits in a pocket, as I've seen.
1: Yes. It is very slim and everything. And my wife is enjoying it a little bit better than she does the 10-inch iPad 3 that we do have to hold And easier for her to type on.
2: What about the back? On the older Nexus 7, it kind of had this grippy feeling when you felt the back of it. And I've heard some people say that the newer one doesn't feel as grippy, that it's a little bit more slate feeling.
1: It's smoother. It is a smoother back than the old one. Okay.
0: That's kind of a shame because I kind of like the faux leather feel.
2: Yeah. Well, Apple picked on them pretty bad about that at an event. And I kind of thought that was going to change. I like that there's a front and back camera now. That's kind of neat the front camera is not that big an impression jump from the first gen to the second gen, but the five megapixel on the back may not be the greatest, but much better for if you want to do like YouTube or Google plus video or something like that, because there is no back camera on the old one.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Now, one problem we did run into is the fact that in Android, you have a accessibility toggle, I guess, what do they call it? It's where you basically hold the power button and then double, (laughs) hold your fingers
2: right right and that's for changing user profiles and let's explain that your low vision and Aaron has no vision and that you can set it in such a way like I do at my house so my guests can use things without talkback my primary is my talkback because I use talkback all the time but people in my house don't necessarily need it so when they flip over to another profile in Android they actually will have talkback turned off and they can interact with it without having to worry about, say, turning triple-click ohm on and off for iPads or iPhones.
1: Yes. If you turn your booklets to the accessibility options in settings, it is the accessibility shortcut (laughs) to get that completely straight.
2: But different in Samsung, by the way. And that's something we talk about on that Mm -hmm. Android show. This is a stock Android experience. Remember that Android can have skinning. So HTC has Sense. Samsung has TouchWiz. And these are things that the companies have decided would make their experience better or make it easier to use. And so they've added these things. And Samsung, if you have a Samsung tablet or if you have a Samsung phone, there's a completely different set of options on those devices under accessibility. And that you can actually, by holding the power button in, go straight to accessibility if you want without having to go to home screen, then settings, then accessibility, and then into the settings themselves. Yeah,
1: but that's our biggest headache is the switching of profiles because I cannot get that gesture to work consistently, but apparently there is a bug that people are experiencing in Jelly Bean 4.3 that affects the multi-touch. So it causes that gesture possibly to not work as smoothly. I know Aaron with doing a lot of the talkback gestures has had problems moving from screen to screen or doing the swipe to unlock type of thing because it doesn't seem to respond. Biggest problem with switching profiles that I've run into is that if she has TalkBack on and it's on her profile, and then I switch to my profile, magnification is enabled but doesn't function. So I have to go into settings and toggle it on and off in order to get it to actually start responding again. Ah. And I'm wondering if that's something to do with the multi-touch. I'm not sure. But that's one of our big things. Uh,
2: That are account stuff. Because sometimes accounts get kind of muddled. And I've seen that right now. I've got an issue on 4.3 on my current... Sorry, once again, I'm doing this. First-gen Nexus, in which TalkBack is talking in both user profiles. And it didn't used to do that. And I don't know if that's a bug or a feature... To let me know that I've switched user profiles because it used to be when you switched from one to the other, it wouldn't talk anymore.
1: I have switched maybe two or three times in the last couple of weeks of having the Nexus 7 2013 edition to where I go from her account to my account and it'll continue talk back into my profile. It'll just continue talking.
2: Yeah, that's new behavior. Which I guess is good. I mean, if you needed to use somebody else's account, did you know that you had started it? So maybe that was done on purpose. Yeah,
1: I don't know. But that's our biggest headache. And that and when you start messing with Android enough, you'll start to realize that sometimes you really have to hunt for settings. Like if you are using talkback and you want to increase the speech rate, it's not under talkback. It's somewhere else. You know, you have to kind of hunt and peck for things. Yeah, it's
2: under sound. Yeah, that makes no sense under sound, under speech, and now you have like 10 settings all the way up to like fastest in human speech, you know, ones and zeros. I know what you're saying. We had this conversation offline in the prep for the show. I'm using Umano because I'm working on that for an app review for Talk, And in Android, I could find notifications to turn those off by just going to settings and just going right there. On iDevices, I looked under notifications. It wasn't listed there. I looked under a section where all those extra apps sit at the very bottom of your settings screen, and it wasn't there. And I had to go into the app itself and then dig to be able to find where to turn off notifications because it's looking at a thing kind of cross platformy. And I have this debate all the time, of course, with Buddy over at TripleClick. There are some people who follow the Apple rules from beginning to end, and you have a very consistent experience. There are other developers who want to set themselves apart from looking generic like everybody else, and they hide things. And all you need to do is go into notifications in settings on your iDevice, then swipe all the way down to the bottom below pictures and all of that, and see all the 15, 16, 35 different apps that are down there with their own settings down there. And that was my thing, because coming at it from the Android side... I want to be able to hit the settings key. And I think of settings more like right-clicking on something. In fact, initially in the old days of Android, the menu key was kind of your right-click because you could actually put focus on something and then right-click and have contextual situations happen. Now with with tablets and touch being more the case than hardware keyboards, that functionality has kind of sort of gone by the wayside, but there is still some contextual stuff that will happen in Google situations but you're right in accounts it can be like this too because you can actually go into settings and then you can go to accounts and then you'll find like your outlook there and you're like why would my outlook settings be under accounts and it's just like windows there's 15 ways to get into Exactly. It.
0: Well that's what bugs me about the new iteration of Android is that we used to have a settings button that you could Tap on in pretty much any app; it was always there, and you would get this little white bar yeah. with different settings you could go into. And now it's either in that weird little three dot button that's on the upper right hand corner somewhere, or it's in a little cog wheel somewhere else. And it's just there's no consistency with either Android or iOS or pretty much anything else.
2: One of the things I hate about that is there's no settings soft button, and yeah, using a phone. Be. Yes. Using a phone, you have the settings button. And when you go to use the tablet, it's not there. It was something that Google decided to have the phone interface and the tablet interface. And, you know, the same thing sort of exists with iPad and iPhone apps, because some people who get the Amazon Kindle app will find that the layout is way different when you get to the iPad versus the iPhone version. So it's just this thing about having use of tablet space, I guess, or geometry, but I hate that. I really, really do because I will try and touch the bottom left of the tablet to go to settings and then realize, oh, crud, it's somewhere. It's either going to be on the top right or at the bottom or mm-hmm. like Google Now, it's actually in the card menu of the card <laughs> you're looking at. you know. And that was one of the questions we used to get on that Android show all the time was, how do I get to Google Now settings For Facebook,
0: for example, you got to do the three-finger swipe left or right or click on the upper left-hand corner button to get the little side menu thing. It's frustrating. And there's plenty of space down there in the Nexus 7. I don't know what a Nexus 10 or whatever it is looks like, but there's plenty of room for a soft button down there. Why did they have to make it cute by only having three buttons down there? It's really frustrating. In recent apps,
2: I don't always need recent Apps. I mean, that's like app switcher, right? So double clicking your home button to get to your app switcher. So you can see recent apps on the Nexus. It's always there at the bottom right. And I rarely use that. I mean, I do to dismiss apps every once in a while. But, you know, also, there's a talkback gesture you can assign for that if you want to. But yeah, I really want a settings kind of button because I rely on that stuff a lot to be able to find how to make the app work because they might've stuck something way deep down in there.
1: It's taken me two weeks just to realize that if I swipe from the top right side of the screen, I get a drawer you get to the widgets. I get the drawer that gives me settings yeah. and battery mm-hmm. and I can toggle from my account back to the lock mm-hmm. screen and everything it took me two weeks to figure that out. Cause I had no clue that that was there so I can get the settings right there. And I'm like, Oh, how nice that actually helps out some. Yeah. If you do the middle,
2: you'll bring down the notifications bar. If you go to the right side, you'll bring down, the ad to get to widgets. And then the other thing is, is you can send some of those widgets right to the lock screen and not have to interact with the device at all. So I have like Google Keep in the second position on my lock screen. So I open the device and I swipe to the right and I will go from my clock right into Google Keep and not have to go into the actual device itself. And that's kind of helpful. And you're seeing that more and more with the new Moto X because the Moto X will actually only light up part of the screen that it needs. So you can kind of move your finger to the part that's lit up. So you don't necessarily have to interact with the whole screen or have that problem of where do I put it as a low vision person? And it also listens to you all the time because it uses speech recognition. It's on so you can interact with the device and it has all these voice commands that are directly working with it.
0: Well, the thing that's really frustrating is that they don't put the settings button on the home screen, if you will. So then you have to go into the app drawer to find settings. And like you said, it took me forever to find that settings thing on the little drawer on the right side. The other thing is, do you guys have this problem where you go to swipe down and you accidentally keep launching the Google Now app? (laughs) It happens to me constantly, all the time, and it's so frustrating.
2: That'll happen a lot. I know what you're talking about. I have Google Now actually sitting in my dock. So my dock has... Settings and iBlink Radio and a folder full of Google Apps and Google Now to the far right. And I started doing that where so I had landmarks. So at the bottom right was my Google Now and at the bottom left was my Google folder. So that way I could just get to it from the dock.
1: Well, Aaron has been frustrated with Google Now because the bottom of the new Nexus has about an inch and a half of bezel at the bottom and at the top. And yep. you don't have a home button to say, okay, this isn't useful space. So when she goes to do a gesture to slide up or something, she's hitting and enabling Google now. And it's just the most irritating thing possible because all of a sudden, Steve
2: what? Jobs had his way. You weren't going to have a home button on the iPhone yeah. either. <laughs> and that's why some people like Samsung phones. Because Samsung has a dedicated home button in the center of the phone, kind of like an iDevice. Don't pay attention to Samsung copying Apple at all. Anyway, so some people like the Galaxy S3 and S4 because if you're an iPhone person jumping back and forth, it feels kind of the same control-wise. And, you know, again, we're back to insert down arrow becoming kind of the dominant way of doing things. Whether you think it's a great way or not, look at the new... There's a new LG phone, I think it is, that has buttons on the back. So your hardware buttons are on the rear of the phone as you're holding it. And I can't decide if that's iteration, innovation, or just stupid, because I don't think I would use it in that way.
1: Well, they say if you're holding it, your fingers hit the volume buttons exactly where you need them to be, like if you're listening to something. but. I just see that as being well. You can never lay it flat. <laughs> exactly. Well,
0: and that, that was something that I always wished that the iPhone or these Android phones would have is some sort of hardware dialer. You know, I've talked about this in the past. That it's very difficult to make a phone call with touchscreens because, especially if you have a automated system where it says "press one for this, press hey, two hey, for hey, that," hey, hey, uh, Byron, and if you want to dial Byron, someone's extension, Byron. it's called yeah? the
2: Droid Four or the yeah. Samsung oh. yeah, Glide or uh, not Glide, but uh, yeah, Relay. There are hardware keyboards in Android. This is why I have an Android phone is because I could not give that up. <laughs> exactly what you're saying. I could not give that up. So the Droid 4, because I have to enter in so many numbers for Saratech into sales and stuff like that. Yep, That's why I stayed with my Droid 4, which I love and is on Jelly Bean and has been a very durable phone and has a dedicated number row up at the top for that very exact reason you're about to launch into.
0: Yep, what I was going to suggest is that I'm going to give away another idea and somebody else is going to come up with it. But what we need is like a Bluetooth dialer. I pair it to my phone. I have a numeric number pad. It's not a separate microphone and earpiece thing like I bought on Amazon a couple of weeks ago, and it really sucks for making phone calls because the microphone blows. But we just need something that I can hit the buttons on to dial and then stick it back in my pocket and grab my phone and make a phone call
2: <laughs> or some kind of
0: watch. Yeah.
1: That could be made.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Maybe with
1: curved glass, you know?
2: Oh yeah. And a band that your battery and, and all these other rumors I've heard from I oh, Yeah. Yeah. That would work.
1: So, okay, everyone that's listening to this podcast is going, okay, Byron, what headset did you buy so that I don't buy it? It
0: Basically, (laughs) on Amazon... It's product review, sir. On Amazon, it's called, like, the BT Bluetooth Dialer Headset... Speaker phone, it's like this Chinese piece of crap that has a really weird title and it's not a specific title. What I will do for those of you guys who want to avoid buying this Bluetooth dialers, I will give Joe or Rodney the link to it on Amazon and they could throw it in the show notes if they are so inclined. And then you can avoid it because it sucks.
2: (laughs) Or can they hear a review of it over at ByronLee.com? Is there, or or follow you on Twitter and hear you say how sucky it is? Is
0: I'll just dig it out of the trash can.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That good. It wasn't even worth keeping around for like some other demo. No, no. It was like the file 13, this one right out there. That's that's, wow. Pretty much. Oh man. But with this said, how do you feel about having an Android device in the house? Do you think it was a good buy? Are you okay with it? Or, you know, if she has your iPad or what have you, or if you had the iPad and she has the Nexus, you're not looking to do what Byron just did with his Chinese knockoff headset, are you?
1: <laughs> well, I basically use the iPad all the time. She pretty much just said, I'm always sitting at the computer or I've got my iPhone. I don't need that much real estate to work with. She doesn't really see it as an advantage because she's all voiceover. So screen real estate doesn't benefit her. She kind of likes typing a little bit on the Nexus 7. I think if they send out an update to Jelly Bean to maybe help the multi-touch, she might want to use it a little bit more. But right now it's just kind of sitting here (laughs) a little bit as We try to learn and use it a little bit. It's
2: weird because when you go to type, you have to move your finger back and then to the same letter again. So if you're spelling the word letter, L-E-T-T-E-R, you can type L-E and then T, but then to get the feeling that you're typing T again, to fire it again, you need to actually move to the left or the right so talkback says that letter again and then you can type T again. Unlike iOS where wherever you put your finger, that is the focus. So if you pick your finger up off of T and put it back on T, you're going to hear T again. And that was kind of my moment of trying to learn again, to unlearn what I had learned. Because remember, I'm doing it three ways. I'm doing it with Android keyboard. I'm doing it with the iOS keyboard. And I'm also doing it with the hardware Android keyboard. So I'm used to the tactile side of it too. And that's where I'm hoping things like Flexi will help. So if you're used to Flexi on iOS, then Flexi working in all apps on Android because of the open nature of Android. I'm looking forward to that kind of sort of maybe helping some people in the typing arena.
1: Now, why is it speaking of keyboards? Why is it we can't have the same keyboard from device to device? I've tried to enter passwords from my iPhone to the Nexus And keys are in different places. All the special keys, like the asterisk and the ampersand and all of that kind of stuff, is all reorganized. It's like, Mm -hmm. if I sit down at a computer, I can type, because the keyboard is always the same. Is there a patent on the keyboard?
2: Layout of keys. Why can't we
1: just (laughs) all get along and have keys? For a while
2: there, there was no underscore. Early devices, there was no need for an underscore. It was one of those where, you know, we don't need caps lock anymore. Let's get rid of that key. And caps lock actually isn't there. I think on some Chromebooks, I think it's replaced by search if I remember right. And I know what you're saying. It was for some people who had underscores and passwords. It was like, how do I get to that thing? And like Byron was saying about touch screens and these, you know, if you go to a phone maze, that's just a real pain in the behind. And also, If you are low vision, you go to read it, your proximity sensor kicks in and the screen goes dark. (laughs) So that's... That's never any fun.
0: And trying to use dictation for some of these things like putting a Twitter handle trying to say at ranger station doesn't really work.
2: Yeah, and if you voice dictate, it's going to type at. I did
0: figure out how to do a a hashtag. I just do hashtag FB or hashtag Serotalk or whatever, and it will actually make a hashtag, but I haven't figured out how to do a Twitter username, which, you know, for iOS having Twitter integration, that's something that they should have.
2: Third-party client might do that. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I bet you there's a third-party way of doing that or living in WhatsApp or something like that. You know, one platform to rule them all again, for those who are listening at home, these experiences are very transitory to the moment. They are very August, 2013. It is very possible that these issues that we're bringing up will not exist in October or will not exist in December, or it will not be there in January, 2014. So this is very much in the moment as we're playing with these devices because of rapid release schedule, Haha, ha, hello, Windows 8.1, October 18th. These things will change a lot.
0: Oh yes, I remember back in the day when the Android had this <laughs> problem and it, we just don't remember that anymore. Uh,
2: it Depends on which one. <laughs> Some of those still exist.
1: Uh, now that we've completely derailed, I will say one thing about the sounds in TalkBack. They apparently are trying to create their own version of Dr. Nexus. <laughs> because
2: sound is a little different you're right about that
1: it mimics another product by a f company we'll leave it at that (laughs) oh okay dr nexus coming to you kids (laughs) dr nexus i i like that it's almost like dr evil but
0: why but am I thinking of, you know, Andrew. like generic Dr. Pepper? Would you like to try some Dr. Nexus? <laughs> Dr. B?
2: <laughs> this Dr. B's on sale. It's almost as good as Dr. Pepper. See, it's got Dr. in the front name of it. <laughs> we also have some Royal Cowl Cola and, uh, <laughs> Flepsy. Ah, oh, God! <sighs> this Kroger brand cola is just Delicious.
1: Actually, here in North Carolina, it would be President's Choice from the Harris Tweeter.
0: Forget the whole Android versus iOS debacle. Let's go Coke versus Pepsi. See, at H-E-B, they have Dr. B,
2: and I often think of that Simpsons thing of uh, Dr. Nick. You know, D-O-C-T-O-R-B. Dr. B, the B is for bargain.
1: Why did I come back? Why?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why? I, I... well, I could do a game review and then and then we could wrap this puppy hey, up. Hey, you if know you'd like. that
1: sounds like a great idea, but it sounds like the Nexus is something that if you're looking for a inexpensive way to get into Android, it's worth a shot.
2: No contract. That's for doggone sure.
1: It's no contract. It's two hundred twenty nine dollars. It's cheaper than an iPad Mini, which has a terrible screen compared to the Nexus Seven. Unless he said
2: it. He said it. Resources at serotalk.com.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But uh, if the screen means something to you, then you might want to look at getting the Nexus 7 from Google. Make sure to get the 2013 edition, not the cut rate version Ooh, on yes. Amazon that is last
0: year's. <laughs> uh, Unless you want to save a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. not have a rear
2: camera or any of the other stuff we talked about.
0: But at least you get to keep the grippy leather. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
2: Ooh, rich Corinthian grippy leather.
1: Uh, and I think I plugged my microphone in for this. Anyway. Uh, I think it's time for a break because I need a drink, and we're going to take a break, and Joe is going to review iAssociate 2, and I guess that's for the iOS, correct?
2: Yes, sir, and available for Android, but I hear it's not as talkback-friendly as it is voiceover-friendly, so it is multi-platform, but probably better for you to use it with voiceover if you're looking for speech.
1: Not really a shocker there. Oh, I didn't say that. Anyway, you are listening to High Contrast here on SPN.
3: Hey, Billy. Yeah? Do you want to go to the state fair? Yeah. Do you want to ride the roller coaster? Yeah. The big one? Yeah. The one with the reverse flip? (gasps) Yeah! Well, you can't. You see, Billy, when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have done with it, including going to the state fair. Oh, man. Cheer up. This year, your parents will make it right. They're going to visit energiesavers.gov where they'll get tips on how to save energy and money. Then they'll add extra insulation and get a few of those Energy Star appliances. They could save hundreds of dollars a year. And you know what, Billy? What? they'll take you to the state fair (gasps) next year but I want to go this year I know you do Billy I know you do saving energy saves you money learn more at energiesavers.gov brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council no sorry try again (laughs) I don't know
0: how to use this Apple thing the only thing I know how to do with it is
1: wait there's lots more to learn and Mac for the Blind can teach you As an Apple-certified support professional in Lion and Mountain Lion, with eight years' experience on Mac and four years' experience on iOS, TripleClick Home's own John Panerese has what it takes to get you comfortable and productive with all your Apple gadgets. Training packages are available for both Mac and iDevices. When you're ready to take a taste of all that your Apple can do, visit www.macfortheblind.com to get started.
0: Macfortheblind.com
2: Hey everyone, Joe Steinkemp here to talk about iAssociate 2 for the iPad in iOS. Now this is also available for Android and it's also available for the iPhone. But I'm using the iPad because it's the HD version of the particular app. I guess that means that it doesn't double up its pixels if you're using the iPhone version. But uh, really, I used it with VoiceOver which made this really, really interesting. Now, before I start going a little further into this, let me explain what iAssociate 2 is. iAssociate is one of those word games where you actually uh, get a clue and you're told that it's one word with six letters and it could be a Madonna song and you might get a hint about uh, what it might be and it might be connecting to something like Christmas And so you have the clue of it's a Madonna song, it's a couple of letters, and it's connected to Christmas holiday. Oh, there we go. And you could even use a hint if you're trying to figure out what that word might be. Hints do take away from your point score, and I'll get into that in a second. But you can use a hint, and that varies depending how big the puzzle is and how many answers there are. And the uh, hint will put the first letter in the answer for you, and you can actually... Get another hint and go behind it, but you lose more points. Now, points allow you to open up more of the free puzzles, the sample puzzles in the beginning. So if you use a lot of your hints, let's say there are 40 hints available and you use 39 of them, it really puts a ding on your score and you're going to find yourself having to buy puzzles faster than being awarded them for being a really good Kind of person who can guess words with just one or two letters and some obscure clues. And by obscure clues, there are some weird things here because one of the sample puzzles is a picture. And in the picture, there was a, and I had to get some sighted assistance here. I could see a pyramid and I could see that it was desert, but I had a friend tell me, oh, no, there's a scorpion over in the corner and there's a camel. Right off to the right. So after I got that kind of assistance, I was able to kind of figure out that the words around each side of a square, which the picture was a square, one was scorpion, one was camel, one was desert, and one was pyramid. And that was the only puzzle I solved that. The rest of it was mostly words, but there are some visual cues that you might uh, run into. Uh, The text is black lettering on a white Background, and when it's filled in, it turns kind of a yellow color. The surrounding color is kind of this green. So, if you have some issues with green, that might be a little bit of a problem. Or, like I said at the beginning of the review, voiceover! Turn on voiceover. And if you haven't used voiceover as someone who's low vision, this is a good opportunity for you to begin to learn how to use voiceover on your iDevice because you can get the hints spoken to you because the hints as written out are really hard to see. So if you're a Zoom person or a magnification person, you might find that this is definitely not something you would play on your iPhone. It's something you would play on a larger tablet or maybe AirPlay. You could actually uh, see if your mirror ring would work with an Apple TV and put it up on a gigantic television, and then that would be a lot easier. So this is a real simple, easy-to-play game. It's free to play. Additional puzzles cost money. There is a way to get free tokens from a thing called TapJoy, but that requires you to sign up for all these crazy services you probably don't want to have. The additional token packs are fairly inexpensive and probably fall in line with most games with in-app purchases for tokens. Uh, so anywhere from 2 dollars all the way up to $59.99. The game is really fun. It's something I got addicted to because everybody here on Cerotech staff plays this game. And I needed something to play while waiting for my gold and food to restock over on Solera. So hopping over and playing a couple of word association games with iAssociate is totally a lot of fun. And like I said, it's voiceover friendly. So go grab it. iOS Store, iAssociate 2 for the iPad. Oh yeah, and it's HD.
1: And welcome back to High Contrast. Now it's time to delve into the mailbag, which you can get your name into if you send a message over to resources at serotalk.com. So, Byron or Joe, is there anything in there?
2: Hmm. Something Hmm. different. Look. Look. It's a blog post from serotalk.com. You can leave a blog comment right there under these very show notes for this episode or any others. This particular one comes from episode 13. Pyron, will you do
0: the honors of the blog comment? Sure. So should I read this whole thing or just kind of Uh, paraphrase what you you, said?
2: Let's talk about who it is and, and paraphrase and they can read the rest in show notes.
0: Okay, so this is from Zivan Kisher, and they say that in different languages, sometimes there are words for male and words for female, and so when addressing someone, saying saying words like hello even have a gender-specific way of saying said word. So, unlike in English, if you just say hello, in other languages, if you say, like the Hebrew version of... Hello is very gender specific. So you can't even walk up to someone and say hi, unless you know what gender they are. So one of the things that uh, they said is that sometimes they'll say shalom to someone and get them to say it back to them and hopefully possibly identify what gender they are when they say something back to them. Wow! So that's definitely an interesting way of doing it.
2: And the comment goes on to talk about German and that there are specifics in German as well. And I agree with that. There's actually neuter versions in German as well as those for male and female. And of course the more formal version, if you're not sure. So you just kind of sort of stay with the generic one with a Z at the end. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And that's really, really kind of, wow. You know, in Texas, you don't, when you go to the dance floor, you don't tip nobody's hat, you'll start a fight. And that seems like, at any minute, you could actually make a social faux pas in this situation, and that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing is that in that language, a car, for example, is female, whereas a computer is male. And that was actually kind of funny, because I, I gave my computer a female name. I called her Balana.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
2: Uh-huh. A little Star Trek uh, Voyager reference there, maybe, possibly? Yeah, I-,
0: I have to rename it Geordie now. Great. Uh,
2: I, I guess, well, mine have been Moya. So yeah, and my, <laughs> there you go. And my laptops were Talon, so that kind of gives you an idea. Anyway, we've been threatened to not make more EOL references. So, Rodney, uh, what do you think about this particular concept of being careful with neuterization? You actually weren't here for this comment last episode. Any thoughts on this?
1: Uh, no, not really. I, I don't. Okay. I,
2: <laughs> well, that makes this segment really short, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I completely listened to that episode, and I just sort of, after so much of the discussion, I was just like, okay, I, uh, yeah. And then I've come back for this one, and my mind has completely been blown as to why I'm even showing up for these episodes. I'm not even necessary. Mental Novocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there you
2: go. Uh, uh, uh. Well, he's married, so he doesn't really see, you know, male or female anymore. It is just, you know, <laughs> after, after a while, it just...
1: Unix are us it all You don't acknowledge the opposite sex
2: anyway you, you know, <laughs> It's just kind of done it
1: Oh lord Well this madness that you have been listening to <laughs> Is high contrast Here on the Serotalk Podcast Network SPN for short As always I'm Rodney Edgar trying to steer the ship Which keeps running into the rocks For some reason uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rodney Edgar, and you can get the demo cast mention in this here episode about the Stand scan and Nexus 7 slash Chromecast over at TechAccessWeekly.com. And as always, I think, thanks to Byron Lee for joining us from ByronLee.com. Anything you want to plug, Byron.
0: I did do a quick five-minute demo of Chromecast on Audioboo, so if you want to check out uh, Chromecast from an iOS perspective, head on over to audioboo.fm forward slash Byron27, and you can check out that and many other Audioboo things I've done in the past.
1: And you're also at Byron27 on the Twitters. And thanks to Joe Steinkamp for filling the third chair because everybody else just wants to go on sabbatical for a few months.
2: It's the summer. I don't blame them at all. I mean, you know, Maury was here last episode, actually. So that kind of sort of works out really well. And you can follow Maury if you miss her over at AISquared.com until we can get her back into the third chair. And also the long awaited return of jeremy curry it's going to happen we promise you can follow jeremy over at gw micro and learn all about the great products that he shows over there and uh he travels a lot so keep following because uh you gotta meet him he's a great guy in person i've known him for years and uh, definitely check out gwmicro.com and Jeremy Curry. And I imagine he will have much to say about the Windows 8.1. I can just, you had a lot to say about Windows 8 last year. I think we might be able to maybe get him to speak just a little bit about Windows 8.1. Just a little.
1: And do you have anything in particular you want to plug? Like that Android show or EOLshow.com or Serotalk.com or triple-click Home or anything else out there?
2: No, no, no. no. I I think I did that most of this episode. I'm very proud of myself. I I think I got in all my plugs early and often. So I feel very, very good about that. And uh, Solara, if you're not playing it, if you haven't <clears throat> fallen into my trap of solara definitely go check that out we reviewed it last episode and uh, i think it's a great game also i've got into io associate because that's what i was playing while waiting for solara to update so it's pathetic it's a terrible thing but uh, <clears throat> i am seeing a 12-step recovery program for ipad addiction so think, uh, i'll be able to get over this real
1: soon notice how you didn't say android addiction
2: um, Ooh, no don't think that's gonna happen thank you coming up on no I've crossed my three years three years of Android I've been using Android for three years oh way to go look at you very very happy
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway if you want to make any comments based on anything we have said or plugged or not plugged or dongled or dingled or anything of the such you can drop us an email over at resources at surotalk.com because we're always looking for ideas for show topics you can also listen by iBlink Radio, which you can find on iOS and Android. And what is that other one? You can get a SamNet trial subscription over at sa2go SATogo.com. Until the madness returns next time, this is High Contrast on SPN. Goodbye,
0: goodbye, 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 goodbye,
1: goodbye. Goodbye.